people have been asking, and it is finally here. My next live event, Work On Your Game Live, is taking place. Write these dates down. February 3rd and 4th, that's a Friday and a Saturday, here in beautiful, sunny, warm Miami, Florida, February 2023, February 3rd and 4th. At this event, we're going to help you achieve three specific things. You can write these things down too. Number one, help you raise your level of performance, because as I always say, this is a performance-based business that we are in. Number two, increase the consistency of your performance. This means you don't only perform at a high level, but you can do it over and over and over again. And number three, you're going to make more money in your business. If you are into making more money and generating more revenue in your business, we're going to do all of that. Those three things, performance, consistency, revenue, at Work On Your Game Live. Now, how we're going to do that are four specific things, the mindset that you need to show up every day and do the work, the strategy so that you have a game plan of action, the system so that you can execute the strategy consistently without fail, with very little variation from moment to moment, and the execution to go and get it done over and over and over again. Those are just details. But just keep these three things in mind that I told you at the top. Performance, consistency, income. If you are interested in any one of those three things or two of them or all three, go to workonyourgame.live. Again, workonyourgame.live. Get your ticket to the event. I am hosting. I will be teaching the entire two days. We'll give you food and snacks and coffee and donuts and all that. We have VIP dinners both nights that are optional if you would like to join. And I mean, it's Miami. Who doesn't want to be in Miami in the middle of February when it's the coldest part of the year everywhere else in the United States? Get your ticket by going to workonyourgame.live. Then text me. Let me know that you're coming. And we're going to know who everybody is, who needs to meet who. I'm going to make sure everybody gets exactly what you need out of that. You will not leave that room unless you have a full game plan moving forward of action to take your business where it needs to go. Workonyourgame.live. Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out. And leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894. 305-384-6894. Straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. When you succeed, you tend to give a whole bunch of credit to your personality, your personal virtue, the strength of your character. Pretty exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreOnDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You're now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques 
underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today, let's go back to the social issues. Today, we're going to talk about why people can agree with me. I've had some people who will agree with me on every subject except a subject around the topic of race. And we're going to examine why this is, how this phenomenon is even possible. And I know why it happens. I'm going to explain to you why it happens. And before we get into this, I tell you all that I have a daily motivation message that I send out free of charge every single day. To everyone who's in my text community, this message is guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp, and on point. You'll like to receive it. Just text me at my number, which is 305-384-6894. And every day when I send out the daily motivation, you shall be receiving this message directly to your phone, free of charge. And you can actually respond to any of those messages and get a response back from me. I do go through my texts and respond to messages every day. And secondly, if you have not yet claimed your free copy of my book called The Third Day, The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs, I will send you a free copy of the book. The book is all about how you show up and give your best effort on those days when you really don't feel like giving an effort at all. All you know that day, we call that The Third Day. I'll give you a free copy of the book. Go to thirddaybook.com, thirddaybook.com. I'll give you a free copy of that book. Just cover the shipping. And if you're a business person interested in making more money in your business, I'm going to tell you the five things that you are not doing that people in the top 1% of your industry are doing. If you want to know what those are so that you can possibly start putting them into place in your business, go to workonyourgame.net and watch that free training. And at the end of that training, any of you who's interested in being coached directly by me, there's a link that will come up at the end that you can click on that will actually tell you how to schedule a time to get on my calendar and we can actually talk about how. I could help you implement any of this stuff into your business ASAP. So with all that said, now let's get into our topic here again, which is why someone could agree with me on every topic except race. Now, I had somebody leave a comment that sounded very similar to this title on one of my YouTube videos not too long ago. I can't remember what I was talking about in the video. It might have been around the time that the Kanye West stuff was blowing up or maybe Kyrie Irving, whatever he was saying. He has posted a link to some documentary that questions the background of Jewish people in America and how it relates to black people. And I talked about that on YouTube. And somebody left a comment and they said, well, no, Dre, I agree with you on most of the stuff that you put out, except when you talk about something around the topic of race. And they didn't elaborate and explain what they exactly disagreed with, which is a passive aggressive way of throwing their opinion out there, which they have a right to do. But it got me to thinking and it led to this. So instead of me just engaging with that person, which would have been useless, now I was able to make content out of it, which is what I'm doing here today, because it made me curious. So why does this happen? So I'm going to break down and explain exactly why I think this occurs, because I don't think this person is the only one. Because I've had other people say something similar to me, like, yeah, I agree with you on some stuff or I like a lot of the stuff that you say. But on this subject, I don't agree with you. And it's usually something around some type of social topic. So let's get into it. All right. So first of all, and the topic once again today is why people can agree with me on every topic. Agree with me on every topic except race. Point number one, I want you to understand something about me. And if I'm wrong about this, you can point it out to me. I use the same logical framework in addressing social issues that I use when I address mindset, strategy, accountability, and execution. It's the exact same framework. Nothing about my approach changes when I'm talking about a BLM or the police or what Kyrie posted or what Kanye said when he named and said Jewish people he's going to go after and go DEFCON 3 on them, whatever it was that he said, or whatever Candace Owens said in her BLM documentary, she was talking about George Floyd or what she shared when she was talking about George Floyd. Or when I talk about my thoughts on people saying defund the police 
or if I talk about one of the biggest challenges happening in the black community, the exact same framework that I use when I talk about discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative, mindset, strategy, accountability, execution, and communication. I use the exact same framework. Nothing about my approach has changed. Nothing. And what is my approach? I look at things rationally, logically, and objectively, probably even to a fault. I look at things rationally, logically, and objectively. Why do I do this? Well, this is simply the way that my mind works. Is the way that I explain things. Is the way that I break things down. It's the way that I am wired. And as I explained in episode 2167, there's a big difference between being right and being accurate. Many people don't understand this difference and they spend their entire lives trying to be right. And being right is about proving that your opinion is stronger than the next man's opinion. The problem with this approach of trying to be right is that it never successfully changes another person's opinion. When you're just trying to prove to another person that you're more right than they are, no one here has ever succeeded in changing another person's opinion by arguing a better opinion on top of theirs. Now, you might be able to shut somebody up or force compliance on somebody, but you didn't actually change their mind. See, many people either cannot or do not think about what's accurate as opposed to what's right often enough. Many people actually never understand the distinction between these two, so they can't be thinking about it. This is especially true when the subject is something that is personal to a person. And we're going to get to why that is in a minute. So this is how somebody can agree and like my approach on subjects that they can be dispassionate about, like communication skills or business or mental toughness or discipline. People can be dispassionate about those subjects because those are not emotionally charged subjects. So when I talk about them and I break them down logically and rationally and objectively, people can listen to it and say, oh, I never thought about it that way. That's a different way of looking at it. Okay, that makes sense. I'm glad you broke that down. That's very useful. And you can listen to my stuff and subscribe and become a fan and all of that because you're dispassionate about those subjects. You have no emotional connection to those subjects. But when the subject turns to something like race or something like religion, maybe for some people, or just some specific thing to happen that people are making it a racial issue, a lot of people lose the ability to be rational, logical, and objective all of a sudden simply because now a subject that you're emotional about. It's not that anything about my approach changed or anything about the subject is the subject. It's just the fact that you went from being completely rational and dispassionate to being emotional and more feeling-based. That's actually what changes. Nothing about me changed. You changed. Let's move on to point number two as I explain this. Today's topic, once again, is why people can agree with me on every topic except race number two. So how this happens. Many people Some of you who are listening to me right now have been conditioned to talk and think about social issues. So let's say anything race related, anything police related, anything religion related. It's usually not religion. I haven't really talked about religion at all. Race, anything police related is a big police thing in 2020. We remember with the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all that stuff. Anything, I guess now the LGBTQ community, anything in that space related. People have been conditioned to think about these topics through a lens of emotion, not logic, emotion. People get so emotional about these subjects that their frame of reference changes. So you can enjoy me talking about mindset and discipline and communication skills and strategy in a dispassionate way and breaking it down logically. But as soon as I break down a racial topic logically, you can't handle it. That's simply because you put on a different pair of glasses. You went from having your logical glasses on to your emotional glasses on. I didn't change. Again, you change. So if you're LGBTQ and someone brings up an LGBTQ subject, it's hard for many people in that group to look at the situation dispassionately because you're too emotionally engaged in the subject. If you're a black person or a white person and somebody brings up the group of which you're a member or a Jewish person and that got brought up, it's hard for you to look at things objectively relating to that group that you're a part of because you're considering yourself in every assessment that you make. 
And this is the biggest challenge that a lot of people have is that you can't look at yourself in an objective, rational, dispassionate way. It doesn't make you wrong. I'm just pointing it out. A lot of people aren't able to do this. And at some point in your life, this is going to get in your way. It's going to cause an issue for you, your inability to be dispassionate about yourself. Many people look at themselves in a very subjective way, but you look at everybody else in an objective way. This is just simple human nature. Again, not a bad thing. It's just human nature. For example, when we have success, and I'm talking about you, when you succeed in life, you tend to give credit to your character, your virtue, all the positive traits about you and your personality. When you're successful, you tend to credit yourself in all the ways you possibly can. But when you fail, you don't blame your character or your personality or your lack of virtue, do you? And let me pose that question again. This is a very important one that I want to make sure everybody hears me. Because this is the looking at yourself in the mirror. This is the self-evaluation that many people need. And many people go through their entire lives without ever doing it. So let me say it again. When you succeed, you tend to give a whole bunch of credit to your personality, your personal virtue, the strength of your character, because you succeeded. Everything about you, you just come up all different ways to praise yourself and to accept praise from the world. That's all about how great of a person you are. That's why you are successful. However, when you fail, you don't use those same measuring sticks to measure your failure, do you? See, when you fail, it's not because you have a weak personality or no virtue or that something's flawed in your character. So you won't point that out when you fail, but you will take all the credit for those same things when you succeed. See, usually when we fail, we tend to blame circumstances. Oh, the only reason I failed is because the circumstance caused me to fail. But when you succeed is because you're just this great person with this great strength of character and you had this amazing personality. And when you succeed, you never say, oh, I only succeeded because of the circumstance. I succeeded because I got lucky. I succeeded because everything just broke in my favor. I succeeded because I had all these people helping me. But when you fail, it's because you had bad luck. When you fail, is because things weren't set up in your favor. When you fail, is because these other people did this thing that got in your way. When you fail, is because of everything other than your character and your personality and your virtue. When you succeed, that was the only thing that mattered. That was the only thing that mattered. Very rarely do you see the flip in this equation. But here's the time when you do see the flip, when we're assessing other people. See, when another person succeeds, And the same thing that you failed at, what do we tend to do? We don't say, well, hey, the reason they succeeded and I failed is because they have a stronger character, a better personality, and they just have more virtue and more self-belief and just more ability than me. Very rarely do you hear anybody say that. How many times have you ever heard anybody say that? How many times have you said it in your life ever? For most people, the answer is very rarely. When someone succeeds at something you failed at, you don't just say, well, they're just better and stronger than me in all these different areas that are measures of my personality and measures of who I am as an individual. But when another person fails, well, actually, when another person succeeds, here's what we say. As a matter of fact, we say, oh, they only succeeded because circumstances aided their success. We dismiss someone outperforming us by saying circumstances worked in their favor. But when we beat another person, we don't say we beat them because of circumstances. We beat them because I'm just better than them. See, human beings, all of us, we are really good at giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt. While at the same time, we are really good at withholding the benefit of the doubt from anyone else, especially with someone with whom we disagree. When you disagree with someone or you are at odds with them or you're just not on the same page as that individual, you tend to never give them the benefit of the doubt for anything. Think about it. Think about somebody who you don't like. Have you ever given them the benefit of the doubt? With somebody you like, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And somebody who you do like, you always give them the benefit of the doubt. It's never anything wrong with their character or their personality or they're never lacking in virtue, even though. Those very well may be the case, but because you like them, you don't point those things out. This is, again, human nature. This doesn't make you bad, and I'm not even telling you that you need to change. I'm just pointing these things out because I want people to understand this. We tend to blame circumstances when we fail, 
and we give ourselves all the personal credit when we succeed. And we flip it around when it goes the other way. And with other people, we do the same thing. Moving on to point number three. Today's topic, once again, is how people tend to can possibly, not all people, but some people can agree with me on every topic except when it comes to race. Number three, it is a very important skill, valuable skill to be able to distance yourself from yourself and look at yourself in a clear and objective a light as possible. It's a very useful skill if you can develop it. A lot of people can't. So if you can't do this, don't beat yourself up and it just makes you normal. Many people cannot distance themselves from themselves and look at themselves and assess themselves as they actually are or at least as close to as you possibly could. I mean, nobody's completely objective, even myself. But many people don't even try to be objective about themselves. Many people don't even try to be objective about subjects in which they have been conditioned to be emotional. So even if you're incapable of doing this, which many people are, what you can do is get around someone who can do it with you or for you. The biggest challenge many people have in life is not that you are inadequate or that you don't have skill or that you don't have an opportunity. The biggest challenge for a lot of people is that you just can't look at yourself or at any group with which you identify in an objective way because your emotions are getting in your way. A lot of people's biggest challenge to success in life is that your emotions are getting in the way of your logical thinking. And success usually requires a good amount of logical thinking. Then you use your emotions for energy. Your emotions should not be doing your thinking for you. This is the challenge for people. And this is the crux of the answer to my question. How somebody can agree with me on every subject, but then when I talk about race, they disagree with me is because you're illogical on every subject that you agree with me, but you're emotional about this one. You're emotional on the subject of race, so that's why you can't agree with me because I'm not emotional about it. So I can look at it objectively. I can give you some actual facts and some actual stats. You don't want to hear the facts or the stats because you're too emotional to listen to logic. Again, it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. But I just want to make sure people understand how this possibly happens. So any of you listening to this who have ever thought this, here's why it's happening. If you would like this to change, you need to learn how to turn off your emotions and allow your logic to drive the car. Never allow your emotions to sit in the driver's seat of your vehicle. Never. They will drive you into a wall. I remember that if you're old enough, you remember the crash test dummy commercials from back in the day? They'd be to do two crash test dummies smashing into a wall just to see what happens to human bodies when a car gets into an accident. All right, that'll be you when you let emotions drive your vehicle. Actually, some of you already have smashed into walls because you allow your emotions to take over the driver's seat of your vehicle and it'll smash you into a wall without a second thought. And again, I'm not even saying this to say that emotions are a bad thing. Emotions have their place, but that place is not everywhere. Emotions have their time. That time is not all the time. I've had teammates in the sports world and coworkers in the work world and colleagues in the business world. I've seen this happen in all areas. People who have hurt their own chances of success because they were unable to look at themselves rationally and objectively. They were only thinking with their emotions because of how the situation directly affected them. They couldn't look at the situation logically and see where they needed to take ownership of what was happening. There's a story of my coworker when I was working at LA Fitness. It was a guy named Mike. He was a personal trainer. The management told him that he was violating some rule and that he couldn't do the certain thing that he was doing. And Mike, he probably had the most clients of any personal trainer in the gym at this LA Fitness. And he was venting to me and he said, man, I don't believe they're going to tell me I can't do that. I'm doing him a favor by even bringing my clients here. I mean, I can just, and I can train them in the parking lot. I don't need these guys. I'm doing them a favor. They don't need me. I mean, I don't need them. They need me. That's how Mike was venting to me. But I knew Mike was full of shit. And Mike was speaking with his emotions in the moment. Logically, he knew he was full of shit because Mike didn't quit. And he didn't start training his clients in the parking lot. He kept his ass right there at that LA Fitness. He kept training those clients. Because logically, Mike understood that without that gym to train his clients in, he wouldn't have those clients. He knew that. Again, his emotions were talking for him in the moment. But he didn't allow his emotions to drive the car because, again, he didn't quit his job. But some people 
don't have that ability to let your emotions vent, really let your emotions go when it's time. But then you got to know how to turn that off and then get back to the logic. I've had basketball teammates who got mad at the coach because they weren't getting a certain amount of playing time or a certain amount of touches during the basketball game. That's cool. You weren't getting the touches during the game. And then they start to blame their teammates or they blame their coaches. They blame the circumstances for them not getting the ball when the problem. Maybe you're just not that good of a player. Maybe you should be on the bench because there are a bunch of players on the team who are better than you. Maybe it's the fact that you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing in practice. That's why you're not getting any playing time. But instead of taking ownership of it, it's the emotions start talking instead of the logic talk. See, when the emotions are talking, emotions are really good at taking all the blame off of you and putting it on someone else at times. And there are times also when you put all the blame on you and it actually should be on something or someone else. When my basketball career, for example, was not going right in my scholastic years, like high school and sometimes in college, I had the ability to look at myself and look at my actions objectively and place the blame where it needed to be, which was what? On myself. It wasn't on my coaches. I don't blame any of my coaches for anything that didn't go right at any point when I was in high school or college. I don't blame my coaches for any of that. Anything that they did, even if they were wrong, even if they did something that I thought was questionable that they shouldn't have done, there was something that I did that precipitated what they did. So, and keeping in mind, folks, that the package deal power comes with responsibility. If I pass the power to them and say, well, they had the power over everything that happened to me, now I'm also giving away my responsibility, which means I can't respond. I don't have the ability to respond, which means I'm a victim of circumstances. So instead, what I do, whenever you heard me talk about my background in sports, you read any of my books and I talk about it, I tell you, here's the things that I did that led to that situation being that situation. I did something wrong. Then it led to the coach doing something. I didn't agree with what the coach did, but I can't blame the coach because if I had done what I was supposed to be doing, then the coach wouldn't have been in a position to do what they did. See how that's taking ownership? I knew that when things weren't working the way that I wanted them to work, I had to take ownership of my actions or take ownership of my inactions. And because I took ownership, I decided that I could make changes. Not that people around me needed to change. I needed to change. And because I took that ownership, I was able to make the necessary adjustments and become good enough that I could ascend my career to the next level and play professionally. Had I done what many of my athletic peers did in those same situations, and even sometimes that I did, sometimes earlier in my career, I would do the same thing, which is this. Blame circumstances, blame your parents, blame your coaches, blame your teammates, blame everything other than yourself. When you do that, here's the good news. It feels good and you have no responsibility. The bad news is it feels good and you have no responsibility. And the more bad news is that because you have no responsibility, you also have no power, which means you've given all your power away to things that you can't control, i.e. other people. And what happened to most of them is their careers ended way earlier than mine did, not because they couldn't play, not because they didn't have opportunity or talent, because they didn't have a mindset to understand what part do I need to take ownership of in this situation right here. Many people are not good at asking themselves that question often enough. Remember, folks, that emotions are great gas pedals. But they are terrible steering wheels. I talked about this in episode 2155. Know that your emotions have a place. That place is where you decide to move them, not where they decide to move you. Did everybody catch what I just said there? You should not be making logical decisions with emotional energy. So recap in today's class, which is how is it that somebody could agree with me on every topic except the topic of race? Because I had somebody leave a comment on one of my videos to say something that sounded like this. And it led to me being getting curious about it. And I broke down and explained here why. Number one, same logical framework that I used to talk about mindset, strategy, accountability, and execution. I used to talk about race. It's the exact same framework. Same framework I used to talk about any kind of social issues slash current events is the exact same mental framework. The only thing that changes is the framework of the consumer 
which is a lot of people go from being logical thinkers to emotional thinkers when a subject hits too close to home. That's where things change. Point number two, how is this possible? Because many people have been conditioned to talk and think about social topics through a lens of emotion. So anything involving your race or your group, whatever group you happen to be a part of that you connect with, you're looking at that through an emotional lens because you're taking it all personally. Anything that gets talked about a certain group, you're in that group and somebody says something about that group, you take it as a personal affront or a personal referendum on how that person who said it feels about you individually when it's not about you individually. You just happen to be part of the group. Just because somebody says something about a group does not mean they're talking about you specifically. But this is a challenge. Many people, again, don't have the ability to separate the two. So they take everything as a personal affront. They get said about a group that they're a part of or a group that they find themselves, I guess, supporting. And this is the challenge. Many people look at themselves in a very subjective way, but they look at everybody else in an objective way. That's why I could talk about other stuff that is not personal to you and you can listen to it and appreciate it. But when I talk about something that's personal to you, you can't see it the same way. This is simple human nature. Now, it doesn't make anything wrong with you. When we succeed as humans, we tend to credit our character and our virtues. When we fail, we tend to blame circumstances. And when other people succeed where we have failed, we tend to blame circumstances for their successes. And then we blame their character when they lose. Notice the difference between what we do for ourselves versus how we assess and measure other people. Number three is a very valuable skill to be able to distance yourself from yourself and look at yourself in as clear and objective a light as possible, even if that means being critical of oneself. Many of you who are listening to me right now do not have the ability to constructively criticize yourself. And I don't mean glad-handing criticism. I mean a real criticism of yourself. Many people don't have the ability to do it, and many people don't have the ability to accept criticism of themselves because you're taking everything personally. If you're gay and someone says something about the LGBTQ community, they're not talking about you personally. You don't have to take it personal. If you're black, somebody mentions black people, you don't have to take it personal. They're not talking about you personally. Even if you disagree with what they say, you don't have to react emotionally. You can respond logically, but you have to train your mind to do this because it is a skill. If you're unable to look at yourself or any group with which you identify in an objective way, that's because your emotions are clouding your reason. Emotions are a good thing. All human beings have them, but you have to know when to turn them off and you should be telling your emotions where to go. They should not be telling you where to go. In every area of your life in which you are unable to separate your logic from your emotions or your emotions from your logic, you will suffer until you figure it out. And for many people that until they never reach the until they spend their whole lives in the spaces, they never actually think about it on this level. And remember that you should never be making logical decisions with emotional energy. Emotions are great gas pedals. They're terrible steering wheels. Never, ever allow your emotions to steer your vehicle because they will steer you into a wall and then press the gas at the same time. All that said, text me to get my daily motivation for free straight to your phone every morning. My number is 305-384-6894. And go to workonyourgame.net, get access to my free training where I will tell you the five things all the people who are in the top 1% are doing that everybody else, including you, is not doing. Training is 45 minutes set aside that time, but the access to the material is completely free. Go to workonyourgame.net for access. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge. 
305-384-6894.